0: Happy Monday everybody and welcome to the Get Your Goat Podcast with Josh. I am back after a very, very great weekend to finish off college basketball, the all-star game, the Critics' Choice Awards, free agency signings, people getting cut, new top fives, what's going on. What happened this weekend? We are going to get into it all right here, right now. So let's start. Let's start with the first thing, which is Seattle Seahawks. They cut defensive end Carlos Dunlap. In doing so, they saved $14 million and for a team that Uh, was very conscious about their salary cap and their numbers, not having a ton of cap space, I think only around, you know, eight people to re-sign other free agents, people that want extensions. He was looking like a cap casualty, so I am not surprised that they got rid of him one bit. Uh, To me, it's surprising how they didn't try to restructure anything or restructure other people's contracts to keep him. Because he was their best pass rusher last season, they acquired him halfway through near the trade deadline from the Cincinnati Bengals, and he was their best pass rusher. This is a team that lacked pass rushers all the first half of the season, even the second half of the season uh, with Carlos Dunlap. That was a huge addition, but they still could not get after the quarterback consistently. So this was a team, or this was a player that was you know, used a lot on the Seattle Seahawks, valuable, a needed asset, so with him being gone, they still need to upgrade that defensive line, either through a draft or another trade or free agency, a lot of ways to do it, but you have to imagine they only have, you know, 22 million, somewhere around, you know, the 20 million mark in order to get a free agent signing, free agent people. So obviously, we're not going to go out and get some stud like Shaq Barrett, who will want you know twenty million a year. But they will have to find somebody to replace Carlos Dunlap's production on the field, as he was very effective last year in his role with the Seahawks. And still speaking on that matter of the Seahawks, uh, to me, there's been a lot of speculation. About Russell Wilson getting traded to the Chicago Bears, it was mentioned this morning that the Chicago Bears are a team in most desperate need of a quarterback, and I totally agree with them. You know when they had good quarterback play last year, or this past year, uh, from Mitch Trubisky at near the end of the season, Nick Foles the beginning of the season, this team looked good and they were winning games. But throughout that middle stretch of the season, when their quarterbacks did not look good, they were losing games. So I totally agree that their quarterback is their biggest need. I could see them sending a mega offer to the Seahawks to try to acquire Russell Wilson. You've got talent on offense. Uh, David Montgomery is a stud. He played really well last year. Uh, Cohen is a solid backup. Uh, wide receiver Allen Robinson is really good. You could pair Russell Wilson with him. You have a better offensive line. They're not you know, the best of the best, but they are much more improved than the Seattle Seahawks. You have a better defense. Even if you were to trade you know, a Khalil Mack in first-round draft picks, uh, you could definitely shed his cap hit. He is getting older. You don't know how much to expect of him, but you could use that money to sign other people. The biggest thing is just the Seahawks carrying around that $39 million dead cap hit for Russell Wilson. So if a trade happens, it would likely be before or likely be after June 1st, my bad. But if you're the Bears, you want this trade done now. You want it before the draft, you want to give them that pick. And even if you're the Seahawks, you kind of want it before the draft in that deadline because you get a better pick for the Bears next year. If you trade Russell Wilson, you think they could be a playoff team. So you're not guaranteeing a better first-round pick next year. If you are the Chicago Bears and you want to win games, you want to compete, you don't want to get owned by Aaron Rodgers anymore, you go out and you make this trade for Russell Wilson. The Lions traded Matthew Stafford. Whole new coaching staff, they are in a rebuild mode. The Vikings are on a decline. They have Kirk Cousins, who's no proven winner. Uh, their defense is not good. Yes, they have good pieces. Adam Thielen, uh, Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook. But guess what? They're lacking a quarterback. They're lacking defensive pieces. Uh, Russell Wilson could come in and save the Bears and at least compete for the next few years without Aaron Rodgers before kind of having NFC North supremacy, if that's what he wanted. I think if you are the Bears, you make this deal. Is it in my best interest rooting for the Lions? Do I want the Bears to make this deal? Definitely not. I don't want to see Russell Wilson up there in the Windy City going against the Lions twice a year, even though it would be entertaining to see him go against Aaron Rodgers twice a year. I hope that trade doesn't happen. But if you are the Bears and you are serious, about winning, you do whatever is needed to make this trade. You know, if it's four round, four round, first four, first round draft picks, and Khalil Mack, you get this trade done. It's whatever they want to get this trade done. Yes, you know you have your limit, but to me, that is a very tempting offer for a one Russell Wilson, even three first round draft picks, and Khalil Mack. Maybe throw in a third or something like that. I definitely think the Bears have the capital to get this trade done if they want to start quarterback. Moving on to another quarterback, Eagles owner Jeff Lurie says he wants to build around Jalen Hurts this coming year. And I think that is a great idea. Uh, Was he great this past year uh, when he started? No, but you know what? He gave his team a spark. They just looked better. They looked like they were competing better with Jalen Hurts, especially with a terrible wide receiver corpse. If you're going all in on Jalen Hurts, you isolate the variables around him, which is wide receiver, running back, O line. Uh, they have a good running back and uh, I don't want I want to say Miles Gaskin and I believe that's right. But let me double check that because I don't want to be wrong because, you know, me and playing Madden, I just never know uh, who's on who with my franchise mode. But yes, I was correct. It is Miles Gaskin. My bad, no, he plays over Dolphins, which I thought... So they have, uh, you know, Bart Scott, Boston Scott, Corey Clement, Jason Huntley. They do need to sign a better running back. Their receivers are not good. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside from Stanford uh, in receiving corps are not good. But luckily, they have a high draft pick, number five, I believe. So guess what? They can get a good wide receiver, a Jamar Chase, a Jalen Waddle, a Devontae Smith if they want. They can definitely get at least a wide receiver, build through offensive line, and just spend this whole draft on the offense, building around Jalen Hurts, and see if it works going into next year. Yes, you'll have a nice young team. Give that a couple years to grow and expand and see how Jalen Hurts does. But I totally agree with Jeff in building around Jalen Hurts. Last year, you got a taste of what he could do. You know, you have Jason Kelsey sticking around and not retiring. I think it would very, be very smart to build around Jalen, see what he can do. And then once you have all those stars in place, if Jalen is the guy, great. You know, you're in ascend in a weak, competitive NFC East division every year. And if not... You know, you start again, draft a new quarterback, get him off his rookie deal. But you definitely want to give Jalen Hurts a shot in this league as he has promise and potential. Moving on to the NBA. Team LeBron yesterday dominated. Team Durant in the All-Star game it got ugly it got out of hand near halftime near the end of the second or end of halftime near the end of halftime this was a very good win by team LeBron and everybody on that team i think it was you know 80 72 couple minutes left before half Next thing you know, they close on a huge run, and it's a hundred into eighty at halftime, and you're like, "Holy smokes, what just happened?" But Team LeBron was a better team. Giannis was the MVP. Shot sixteen for sixteen, perfect on the night, with thirty-five points. Yes, most of them were dunks, but you know he made, he made a couple threes and looked great. Steph Curry added 28. Damian Lillard off the bench brought in 32. Jalen Brown with 22. Actually, you know, LeBron was one of the worst performers of the night, and that's only because he hardly played at all, and he didn't need to play at all. Yes, he was tired, but, you know, he worked everybody else, and everybody else looks so much better on this team compared to Team Durant. Yes, Joel Embiid was out for Durant, which was a huge loss, but Ben Simmons was out for LeBron. But I think, even with that, I think Team LeBron still would have won. Team LeBron won all of the first three quarters. I think Team Durant won the last one just by a point, but that didn't need it because LeBron got his target goal of 70. Uh, and yet, all these people. Saying that Team Durant was going to win because they had the shooters. They had Kyrie Irving. They had Bradley Beal. They had James Harden. They had an ascending Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell. You had all this talk. And guess what? They didn't back it up. People saying, you know, Steph Curry not up to snuff this year as a shooter. Are you kidding me? Luka Doncic not a shooter. Paul George. Damian Lillard? I mean, what a joke. LeBron had shooters. Steph Curry has been one of the best shooters this past year. This year, one of the best shooters in the history of the league. Of course, he's going to perform well. Damian Lillard, one of the most all-time clutch players, knocked down the game-winning shot for Team LeBron yesterday. He's outstanding. He's a shooter. Paul George was great, and look at Giannis was 3 for 3 from 3, Steph Curry 8 for 16, that's over, that's 50%, so Giannis was 100%, Steph Curry 50%, Paul George 5 for 7, that's above 50, Damian Lillard 8 for 16, that's 50, Jalen Brown 5 for 7, that's above 50, these are the only, there's only 3 players, that didn't shoot 50%, that was LeBron James, Luka Doncic, and Chris Paul. Other players didn't attempt a three, but those were the only ones, so they had a greater average of players scoring 50% from three or more than not, which is why their total from the three was 50%, and their efficiency just from the field alone was over 60%. That's how good this team was. Uh, they looked unbeatable. Yes, there's no defense that gets played. So you have to make your shots, make your open shots. And Team LeBron just did better doing that. Uh, team Durant did not play as well as Team LeBron. They barely had over 50% from the field, and they only shot 37% from three. Now, you talk about the greatness of James Harden the greatness of Kyrie Irving, the greatness of Bradley Beal, Jason Tatum, Kawhi Leonard, and it was a very pedestrian night all around for Team Durant. Uh, you can argue that you know Kyrie Irving was great, but he cooled off in the second half only two for six from three. So I think if you have to give props, it's either Bradley Beal or James Harden, but they didn't have other worldly stats. Is you know the Giannis did grabbing the MVP did so Team LeBron LeBron is now four zero in this format his teams are four zero he shows that he picks the best players each time around you know last year you know he did the Ka- Kawhi the I think he had Kyrie he had James Harden and then last this year he switched it up you know had Giannis had Steph players he didn't have before and guess what he still wins. Because he knows what his team needs. And each year is different. He sees the game. He knows the game better than anybody. So LeBron. As a GM. I think would be great as an owner. In the future. Seeing what he does in these all-star games. Picking the best players available. Getting the best out of them. That will only do well. For his aspirations of owning. An NBA team. In the future. Team LeBron. Definitely deserved this win and they played like they wanted to win. Then talking about Curry, he won a great three point shooting contest yesterday over Mike Conley. It looked like after that first round when he shot, you know, so well had over thirty that it was just his sort of taking. But Mike Conley had a great second round. And then Curry just won by one shot, one money ball there at the end, in a very thrilling Three-point contest, that was just great stuff. You know, I had Steph Curry winning. I thought he was going to win. And he was just brilliant. He really was. uh, Chef Steph was cooking yesterday before the game in the three-point contest. Then during the game, he played so well. I think if Giannis missed a few shots, Steph definitely had a case for winning the MVP for the All-Star game. Then mirrors news yesterday that Blake Griffin signed with the Nets, and this is one of the teams I thought he was going to sign with. I thought you know the Nets were of a front runner, uh, but to me you know this move isn't you know this otherworldly move as that James Harden move for the Nets was earlier in the season. Blake Griffin is a solid role player. You know he's a nice addition, but he's not you know the a make or break of this team. You know with you know, if James Harden were to go out, Blake Griffin's not going to replace uh, the efficiency of the points of scoring of Harden. Griffin just can't do that, neither with Kyrie, neither with KD. He is not that player anymore, doesn't have the athleticism. This is kind of like by DeMarcus Cousins signing uh, with the Golden State Warriors a few years ago. Uh When they already had KD, Draymond, Clay Thompson, and Steph Curry. It was just that nice piece just to, you know, finalize their greatness over everybody else. You know, DeMarcus Cousins didn't have a huge role with that team. In Golden State, when he signed, you know, I think he had one good playoff game. You know, scoring 21 points, he kind of was a it guy that game. And other than that, he kind of took the rest of the series off. I could definitely see this in the playoffs with Blake. I could see him having, you know, one big game in a series and then taking the rest of the series off, which, you know, to the Nets, is, that's fine. They'll definitely take it. But, you know, it's a nice move, you know, just solidifies that front court a little more, just a little more depth, a little more experience. Uh, but I don't see this as a game-changing uh, piece if, you know, the Lakers and the... Nets were to meet up in the finals or Clippers and the Nets, you know, before this deal and after this deal, this deal doesn't change a lot of things for me, or it doesn't change anything for me, uh, factoring into the Nets winning and winning the East at all. I already had been projected to win the East. Uh, Met changes, still have the Lakers winning if AD's healthy. I still pick that with the Nets. Clippers, Nets, tight series, still pick that even. With this Blake Griffin signing, so it is not of huge importance one bit. Now shifting over from the professional side of basketball to the collegiate side of basketball and I could only pick I only picked one winner this past weekend in all the college basketball games you know I picked four. I only picked one winner. how pathetic of me to do that I picked Oklahoma State I mean I picked Virginia Tech to beat Oklahoma State and Oklahoma State pulled off a great upset against Virginia Tech without Cade Cunningham Oklahoma State is on a roll right now winning games other than a loss to Baylor sandwich in there but great wins over Oklahoma, Virginia Tech they're playing really really solid with Cade Cunningham even without Cade Cunningham So I have to give props for Oklahoma State for beating who I think is a great team in Virginia Tech. I thought Ohio State could upset Illinois. I was wrong about that one. Even though Ohio State was up most of the game, looked like they were in control. Illinois ended on like a 9-0 run and, you know, just took the heart and soul out of Ohio State who was on a three-game losing streak coming into this game, needed a win. But dropped them off to, you know, not winning in weeks now. And another huge win for Illinois. My only pick right was yesterday I picked Iowa to beat Wisconsin. And that happened in a nail-biter. And I thought, you know, I just did a Hail Mary. I thought Baylor would beat Texas Tech. But I thought, you know what, Josh, just say Texas Tech will beat Baylor. And I was wrong about that, you know, look close to spurts. But Baylor was really the better team and dominated Texas Tech. Uh, So I have to give props to Baylor definitely for showing up after looking shaky their first week and pulling off some huge wins this past week. But now I want to talk about my team, which is the Michigan Wolverines. And they blew it yesterday against Michigan State. They just blew it. Actually, both teams didn't look good. Michigan didn't look good. Michigan State didn't look much better. Uh, But, you know, Michigan State just looked incrementally better than Michigan. And what was an ugly game for both of these teams, uh, Michigan was uglier. And it's just sad because they cannot win ugly. Uh, all their wins, you know, you know when they're on, which they've been on 19 times this season, uh, they look really good. They look unbeatable. You have people up there you're saying, you know, their competition is Gonzaga and Baylor. They're one of the three better teams. And even in those two blowout losses, it's like, hey, you know, you're going to lose in this tough competition. Uh, and you're going to lose times and you know, And those losses, you know, they just look bad, bad to where, you know, that is not going to replicate itself, you know, for another, you know, few weeks or so. But to me, this one against Michigan State was very alarming because you want to win ugly games. Even when you're not playing their best uh, with players down, not making shots, you still want to win an ugly game just for confidence. And when you're making the turn to the Big Ten Tournament, uh, March Madness right around the corner. You want to be able to win. Ugly games, a lot of new schemes going to be thrown your way, teams you're not familiar with. It's going to get ugly. It's just, can you win when you're not playing your best? Some teams can. You know, Baylor beat Iowa State right back from COVID when they were not looking their best, but they won an ugly game, it would be nice to see Michigan win in ugly game, but they just can't, when they're bad, they're really bad, Hunter Dickinson was in foul trouble early, then in foul trouble uh, later in the game as well, where he didn't play as many minutes as he usually does, uh, that was bad, Eli Brooks' injury, he's a great defender, but he only averages you know 8 or 9 points, And in his time, he scored five. So, you know, if he scored three more, they still wouldn't have won this game or four. You know, they still wouldn't have won. Other people need to step up. On offense, you know, Isaiah Livers did not look good yesterday. They were saying, you know, oh, he has good looks. And, you know, to me, they weren't good looks at the near the end of the game because he was just not playing well. Uh, Franz Wagner, all right, but he's seen better days. Mike Smith, the same thing, He's seen better days. Uh, you could say Shawnee Brown was their best player, but he only had th- you know thirteen points, four rebounds. This team only shot thirty one percent from three, forty percent from a field, and definitely not good. bit Michigan State wasn't much better, only a few percentage points above in those respective categories. But you know you had, you know a player like Rocket Watts yesterday. For Michigan State, step up and just will them to a win. Near the end of the game, he was playing good. Aaron Henry playing really good. Uh, And that's what we needed. We just needed a couple shots here and there to go in. Timely buckets. And Michigan State did that. But Michigan could not do that. If Michigan plays like this in the tournament, guess what? They'll most likely play Michigan State. And they will lose again if they do this. If they play like this in March Madness... You will lose again. You will be out. So on that rant, I'll get into another Michigan rant here in like a minute. because so I'm going to talk about my top five teams in college basketball. And my top five teams are the same as the AP poll, AP Top 25. So no suspense there if you already know that. Because uh, I think they actually hit the nail right on the head. This time around. Number five. The Iowa Hawkeyes. They are playing really, really well. Led by Luca Garza. Who I think is the best player in college basketball. Who you can just rely on. To get timely buckets. And timely stops. Offensive, defensive end. uh, Points leader for them. Rebound leader for them. He's playing well. Bohannon is playing good, uh, Toussaint, McCaffrey, uh, Wisecamp, all solid, solid leaders for the Iowa Hawkeyes, then they also had a big one over Wisconsin, uh, they're just making a lot of noise, uh, other than that loss to Michigan at the end of February. They've been playing really well, excluding that with big wins, you know, over Ohio State, and Nebraska, Wisconsin. They have been winning, winning, winning. Uh, so that's why they're my number five. Number four is the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, sad to say, you know, they were just number two. Just like that. You can drop down to number four. Looking like Jekyll and Hyde. Look terrible to start the week off against Illinois. Terrible loss, bad loss, bad play. Then look great over Michigan State. Almost have a 30 point lead. Think you're coming back. Then you end bad again against Michigan State. And when you look at past winners in this tournament the Villanovas, the Kansas that have made running Gonzagas. Kentucky's Dukes, they have all played really well near the end of the season. Maybe they'll have like a fluke loss, crazy buzzer beater or, you know, in their tournament, uh, you know, they'll make it far, but you know, they'll lose, but it's not like they look bad and look pathetic. Michigan is looking pathetic. They are not playing their best basketball heading into the tournament, not playing their best basketball in March. When you have to and need to to advance. So to me out of my top 5. They're definitely the scariest. I thought of putting them at number 5. But since they beat Iowa. I couldn't do that to them. But they are not playing good. And not looking good. In any aspect of the game. Over this past weekend to judge them by. Which is how Illinois. Moved up to number 3. The Illinois fighting Illini. They just beat Michigan. And Ohio State, on am a road back-to-back without their best player, Iodon Sumu. They've won 11 of their past 12. Illinois is playing really well right when you need to. The end of the season, that is very, very valuable. And very great for them. Only lost was to Michigan State all of February. Haven't lost in March since. And coming into this, uh, just after, I think, beating Michigan, they have a ton of confidence going into this Big Ten tournament. Everybody's saying, you know, it's Michigan. Michigan is almost a unanimous selection. You know, winning it, this whole thing, the Big Ten tournament. It's definitely a narrative has flipped. And a lot more people liking Illinois on the Illinois sort of wagon right now, and deservedly so. we are playing really well. My number two, the Baylor Bears, they had great wins this past week, you know, over Texas Tech, West Virginia, who was just in my top five last week, and Oklahoma State, really, really solid wins. Uh, They're back to their pre-COVID pause, where they're scoring well, rebounding, shooting the three, they're efficient. Jared Butler, Davian Mitchell, playing spectacular right now, Leading this Baylor's team, looking like the second best team in the nation for a reason. Number one, the Gonzaga Bulldogs. They are the best team with the most complete team. Now they don't have you know a Wooden Award favorite who you know like that Luca Garza or that I.O. Who Kate Cunningham. You know he's gonna win Wooden Player of the Year. He's just that special. He's that guy. Gonzaga just has a lot of great players, and you know that's what they said about uh, Michigan. They just have a great team. You know, Hunter Dickinson might be the guy. I don't think he is the guy. But Gonzaga just all plays really well. Uh, their basically whole team took their conferences, uh, player of the weeks, and all their uh, awards. They kind of just swept all that because Gonzaga is just really complete. Has a lot of depth. That offense is amazing. And they play really stingy defense. So tonight when they play St. Mary's. I don't expect any headache from Gonzaga. I expect them to dominate St. Mary's. They're 18 point favorites. Wouldn't be surprised if they win by that much. Might be a little closer in their West Coast Conference semifinal. But definitely have Gonzaga winning this game. Winning their league, you know, two wins away from an undefeated regular season and, you know, their conference tournament play, which is outstanding. Good for them. Now, shifting fully from college basketball, basketball in general, to the NHL. My penguins, baby. Finally, back-to-back wins. I thought they could never do it. I thought, you know, after their one win, one loss of the Capitals doing the same thing against the Flyers, I thought they would never win, but they ended their series against the Flyers on a win, and then yesterday, they exploded against the Rangers, and finally have back-to-back wins, in tied for third place, technically in fourth place, and the tough East Division playing really well. The Rangers have been playing really well. I thought, you know, I was really nervous going into this game against them. I thought, you know, they were playing really good, you know, beating the Sabres, uh, the Devils, and not only just beating them, just dominating them, scoring like, you know, five, six goals, uh, played well against the Bruins. I thought this team could do it. I was nervous, but my team just went off in like a stretch of a minute, uh, scoring three goals in the first period to take command of that game, and they never looked back after that. Uh, Gorgiev was pulled for Keith Kincaid with Igor Sheskerton out. That didn't help, uh, but I was very proud of my Pittsburgh Penguins team, Tristan Jari, Casey DeSmith, all playing really well. This team, especially at home, Has looked much better than they do on the road. Of course, at home, you know they're ten and two, and in a way they have some losing record. But the Penguins are playing really, really well right now, and I am very, very happy about that. And I'm kind of happy they are actually in their division because if they were in any other division, you know they wouldn't even be in the playoffs right now, except for maybe the West, uh, because the West is just uh, weak outside of the Vegas Golden Knights. Tom Wilson of the Capitals in the NHL, Tom Wilson of the Washington Capitals, uh, suspended seven games for a dirty, dirty hit on Brandon Carlo. Definitely a head targeting. Going against the boards was unaware. low with the shoulder, the elbow, his whole body. Crushed him. It was a dirty hit. Definitely worthy of a seven-game suspension that was handed down on him. But Brandon Carlo was injured. Uh, Coach Cassidy of the Bruins... uh, Says he's week to week, uh, out maybe out for longer than that. So I think this should happen. Uh, Tom Wilson suspended seven games, which is basically a two week period. I think for hits like that on um, Brandon Carlo, uh, any player, any player that has a dirty hit and leaves a player injured, uh, if the player's not injured. Uh, then you, you know you can definitely suspend them for a an amount of games. But if a player is injured, that player should be out the whole duration that the player that he injured is out. So, for example, if Carlos only out two weeks, I think Tom Wilson should be out two weeks. But if a player's out a month, he breaks his jaw, is out like a month. And guess what? You're out for a month as well. Kind of that eye for an eye philosophy. You know, at first I wanted to take it even further, saying, you know, he should be out double the amount. That might be a little excessive, but definitely the amount of length that the other players out to kind of match that. And especially with that hit now, Washington and Boston uh, in this kind of deadlock for, you know, the upper echelon of the uh, East Division. They don't play again until April, but definitely that matchup will be something to look forward to coming around because I don't think these teams like each other at all. Now, to make my picks, Senators versus the Oilers, I am picking the Oilers. Uh, you know, Senators have, you know, played well recently, uh, much better than they did at the start of the season, but with uh, the Oilers too much firepower, Connor McDavid, no Connor McDavid. Leon Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins, uh, I have the Oilers. The Arizona Coyotes versus the Colorado Avalanche. This is interesting because I want to pick the Arizona Coyotes. I thought they were going to lose on Saturday to the Wild, but they didn't. They bounced back strong. Uh, and As much as I want to pick the Coyotes because I don't like the Avalanche and I just want to pick the Coyotes, I'm picking the Avalanche. But I hope the Coyotes prove me wrong. Yeah, the just have Nathan McKinnon and Landis and Barry and, uh, I mean, they don't have Barry anymore, but uh, Mayfield and, they don't even have Mayfield, what am I saying? Devin Tay's, uh Brandon Sides, so his team is really well, so I'm just going to pick them. I'm shifting on from the sports world, uh, moving on to the stock world, uh, GameStop, 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 GameStop is uh, backup. Again, had a great day. After Hours, it's down. But a lot of players had a great day with the market being up, even with Apple being down. Uh, Tesla going crazy now. Uh, But the market, I think, had a very successful day. A lot of people making money today. Very pleased about that. Critics' Choice Awards. I thought Best Picture would go to Nomadland. And it did, deservedly so. Uh, Best director would be Chloe Zhao. And she won, uh, dedicated those awards to one of her editing. She does a lot of the editing, but kind of one of her mixers and editors passed away this week. So she gave a very uh, touching and inspiring speech dedicated to him. So that was very well thoughtful put. And to me, this win for Nomadland and Chloe Zhao... Uh, they're already Oscar uh, favorites, but now they're front runners, kind of shoulders above, head and beyond. The rest of the competition, uh, I really don't see Nomadland and Chloe Zhao losing the director picture race at all. Best actor, Chadwick, he was a front one runner. Uh, this award solidified it, he's taking it. You had new competition in here this time. Stephen Yun from Minari, Delroy Lindo, Defy Bloods, but Chadwick Boseman beat them out, and the other stiff competition from Anthony Hopkins and Riz Ahmed. So he is definitely, definitely, I think, winning that. Best actress was Carrie Mulligan, promising young woman, which I thought was going to be for the Golden Globes until she was upset. I hope she would rebound. And the Critics' Choice, what I was reading, a lot of critics was going to vote for it. And it all proved true. Carrie Mulligan won. I am so happy for Carrie. To me, she had the best performance and one of the most shocking, crazy, revenge, comedy, thriller, twists of them all. She played a great, empathetic character. Uh, Carrie was great. Played it so well. Uh, I'm glad she won. But again, you know, you had uh Zendaya coming in hot, uh Frances McDormand, Viola Davis, Andre Day upsetting her in the Golden Globes. All these factors, but Carrie Mulligan prevailed and shifted the uh actress race back towards her. Daniel Kaluuya won best supporting actor and kind of cemented his spot in what's going to be the supporting actor for Oscars and other awards. Best supporting actress, Maria Bakalova for Borat, which was surprising. Uh, she lost out in the best actress race to Rosamund Pike last week in the Globes. Then again, you know, facing Amanda Seifried, uh, the favorites Glenn Close, Olivia Coleman. And then you also had a lot of people pegging Yu Yoo Jung Yoon for Minari to win the Grandmother Bear. So Maria winning this is totally surprising, uh, especially you know with Jodie Foster not even up for a SAG, some of these other ones up for it, you know, the BAFTA shortlist. So to me, this Best Supporting Actress race is the one that is the most, most wide open. Uh, definitely Best Acting Ensemble, thought would go to Trial of Chicago 7. Adapted Screenplay, I thought would go to Nomadland. So Some people were pegging One Night in Miami. Uh, best original screenplay. You know, I was hoping Promising Young Woman would win. And it did. Beat out Trial of the Chicago 7. So happy about that. I thought Chicago 7 had it in a bag. Had the Globe win. People picking them. You know, I just thought, hey, they could do it. Or, you know, Minari. People pegging that. But Promising Young Woman did it. Emerald Fennel did it. Was a great screenplay. Great writing. Uh... Everything in that movie was done so well. Uh, just her idea of you know that what happened in kind of that first ten minutes and where Emerald took the rest of the movie phenomenal. Definitely deserving of a best original screenplay, and I'm happy that she got it. Best comedy was Palm Springs. That was a surprise. I thought that was going to be Borat for sure. Uh, after all this huge win, huge wins for the Golden Globes, definitely not the case. Palm Springs won that. I thought drama series would be the crown, and it was. Best actor, uh, Josh O'Connor. It was, you know, the crown, Emma Corrin, best actress. All the crown. Best supporting actress, Jillian Anderson. Crown took it all. But one thing that switched it up, best comedy series from the Golden Globes was Ted Lasso one instead of Schitt's Creek, and I thought it was surprising. Uh, I thought they were going to just give Schitt's Creek that as it kind of ends off. But a lot of people have liked Ted Lasso as Jason Sudeikis won. Best Actor as well. Katherine O'Hara's sweeping these ones. Daniel Levy getting one for Best Supporting Actor. Best Limited Series, of course, is The Queen's Gambit. Anya Taylor-Joy winning. Deservedly so. She was amazing in The Queen's Gambit. Everybody loves The Queen's Gambit. It was great. Best actor in a limited TV series. Uh, John Boyega, I think, upset Mark Ruffalo. I really thought Mark Ruffalo was going to be the winner. But that was not the case. Only one time, a comedy special for Jerry Seinfeld and Michelle Buteau. But it was definitely, I think, I definitely prefer the Critics' Choice over the Golden Globes. Uh, The way it was done, uh, presenter Taye Diggs, surprisingly, I thought was better than uh, Amy Poehler and Tina Fey. And I love Amy Poehler and Tina Fey. But I thought his hosting was better, his show was better. And the fact that they were playing, you know, clips of the actors and the movies of what the award was being and who the nominees were actually doing that. Uh, the Golden Globes didn't do any of that, no snippets at all, no little you know few seconds of what they were showing a very just still, whereas this one it wasn't. I thought the critics Choice awards were was done much better than the Golden Globes, and of course, you didn't have all that crazy backlash as well in there, so definitely handled much better much better award show definitely changed up the award season coming into there. Of course, now you have your locks, but you also have your surprises to look forward to in the future award shows. So that was great. Time to end with my get your goat take. and there's a lot I could do uh but to me, I'm gonna go with Michigan right now. I know I already kind of went off, honey mini rant on Michigan, but I will just say this, they are not playing their best basketball. I look at the top 10 rankings for college basketball, and I mean, I just look at you know the whole rankings of everybody, and to me, they are the worst one out of a bunch on the trend, them and Ohio State I would like West Virginia over them. You know, Houston, Alabama, Iowa, Illinois, Baylor, Gonzaga. The way Michigan is playing, they are not winner-worthy. I'd even take lower ones like Villanova and Creighton over Michigan right now because they are not, not playing well at all. I'm sorry. They just are not cutting it. This their style of offense right now. Not looking good. Yes, you're great defensively, but you're going to have to score buckets. And to me, that's the one thing they lack from other schools, such as Iowa with a Luka Garza or a uh, Illinois with an I.O. Uh, they do not have a closer. They don't have that one guy that can say, hey, let me put the team on my back for the last couple minutes of this game. I will take you to the promised land. You've helped out enough. I'm going to take you to a promised land. And to me, that's what Michigan lacks. To me, you know, you don't want to over-rely on one person, but it is nice to have that one guy who can bail you out. And this Michigan team does not have that one guy right now. And to me, that's why I think they'll definitely make it past the first round, uh, first and second round, but get into, uh, you know, after that with the... Sweet 16, I could definitely see them losing the Sweet 16. If you look at their bracket now, uh, in the Sweet 16, they're most likely playing Kansas. I could definitely see them losing to Kansas uh, at all. I think if they were to get past Kansas, it might be an easier Elite Eight. But to me, Kansas is the most dangerous team in their region right now. And if they were to make it, you know, even to the Final Four... Surprisingly, which I don't think they will, they would play, you know, an Iowa, a Villanova, a Texas Tech, a Baylor, and I don't see Michigan right now beating Baylor, and they're lucky that in the latest bracketology, they're in an easier one. It may change, Uh, definitely will change this coming week with all the conference tournament championships and selection Sunday. But Michigan better watch out, get some things fixed right now because their performances have been unacceptable. That's what I'm going to end with right there. Michigan, get better soon. Yeah, my wishes. This has been Get Your Goat Podcast. Happy Monday, everybody. Bye, everybody.